Welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities in the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you're a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, Joan Collins. And me, David Meisegar. So, Joan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, but it sound, sounds like maybe I'm doing better than you are today. <laughs> I got my best Barry White going. It's, uh, <laughs> it's allergy season here, and, and it's kicking me pretty good. Well, it's um, working for you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm trying to hang in there. I actually have a question for the audience, and I know that uh, uh, we can't get answers in real time, but I'm wanting people to think about what's the connection between New York City, Miami, and Houston? Uh-oh. <laughs> You're getting me back for outing you on bumper music, aren't you? <laughs> I am. For, for those folks that don't know, Joan is actually an amazing artist, and she has had, well, had two exhibitions in galleries in New York City and Miami, and now a third in Houston coming up in April. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of said it all. It's um, the, the Houston show is, is just going up, and the opening will be on the 5th. Um, it's at Sawyer Yards, which is a big art area within Houston for the Visual Arts Alliance exhibition. So thanks, David. That's that's nice. Nice. Oh, but we're not done yet. Go to art at blackmountain.com to see some of Joan's collections. And really, it, it's truly impressive and amazing. So I'm, I am trying to uh, make you blush, but I'm also in awe at uh, what you do. And I think it's kind of cool that... Uh, that we get to share some of our personal lives uh, this way with others. So thank you for humoring me, Joan. Same goes, David. You know I'm a big fan. So let's move on <laughs> to all our right. topic, which is striving towards equity across all programs. And we are so lucky to have our two um, distinguished guests, really, Jeff Brown from PSO and ICF's Karen Earhart Martinez. Um, let's get them introduced. David, do you want to start with Jeff? Absolutely. I've known Jeff for a long time and really excited to have him on our, our show. He is the Consumer Programs Manager at Public Service Company of Oklahoma, which is an American electric power company. And he administers the portfolios of energy efficiency, demand response, as well as research and development programs. He's a 29-year-old veteran in the field of energy and economics, and something I learned, he serves on the board of AESP, which I knew, but as well as the Tulsa Children's Museum and the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges, which I think is kind of cool. And Jeff is married, a father of three boys, and a grandparent of one granddaughter, which I'm sure keeps him very busy. What a what a great introduction. And we also welcome Karen Earhart Martinez beyond besides or beyond her um, explorations and the out of doors, all of her hiking and travel and, and all kinds of adventures. Um, she's internationally recognized for her work on the human dimensions of 
energy efficiency, conservation, and environmental sustainability. She's a director here at ICF of our behavioral science and customer insights practice and has more than 20 years of experience working as a consultant, program manager, and research. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much, Joan and David. It's great to be here with you. Yes, thank you. So what's new and exciting? Let's start with um, Jeff. What's new and exciting? <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, we've been uh, kind of on this equity journey for some time now, just thinking about uh, better ways and uh, to serve customers and kind of trying to benchmark ourselves. And, you know, are we serving customers equity and uh, really looking at, uh, you know, how we're engaging customers and across our different programs within the portfolio? I, I really just want to echo you know, what Jeff had to say, there's there's so much excitement in the industry right now around equity and a lot of attention being paid to it. But I feel like, you know, based on my experience and the work that I've been doing, um, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty about how to tackle this question. And so I've been really lucky to, you know, work with Jeff over the course of the last year and a half, looking at the work that PSO has been doing and what opportunities lie ahead. And we've made a lot of progress together. Yes, we have. And some very cool stuff from what I've seen. Jeff, I'm I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about why. You know, why equity, both from a personal perspective as well as, as from a PSO perspective? Sure, David. Yeah, so I, um, you know, the big why I think uh, when I think about it from a professional perspective is, you know, we're always trying to do the right thing for our customers, the community, and and really the environment. And our goals around energy efficiency, uh, you know, one of the primary ones here in Oklahoma, at least, is you know, and encourage and enable our utility customers to make the most efficient use of our resource, being the capacity and energy uh, that we provide. You know, reduced of uh, the, the wasteful use of energy. And so, you know, as part of that, you know, customers is uh, within this fixed rate base, you know, are paying into this rider. We want to make sure all customers have the opportunity to participate uh, to help themselves and save energy as well as, you know, help us, you know, keep prices low for everyone. Uh, so we're always looking at different barriers, uh, ways to break through barriers in, in terms of financial uh, language barriers, access and awareness, that kind of thing. Um, so that's really my big professional why. Personally, um, I kind of uh, approach this kind of from a unique perspective. And um, since my age of 21, uh, I became a paraplegic, and thus I've you know been reliant on a wheelchair for my daily mobility activities. So this kind of drives my insight and my um, really my purpose around accessibility for everyone. Mm finding ways to remove, you know, barriers uh, and looking at things from really an equitable position. Uh, so I really bring that into my role here at PSO and thinking about it, these programs really kind of from that unique lens that from my personal standpoint, I can think about, you know, how we're designing programs, thinking about policy that's really kind of try to open the doors and make it more equitable for everyone. Um, so I think, you know, I, everybody's got their own journey 
Um, and I think, you know, mine, I hope, leads itself to be a little more uh, empathetic to looking at ways that, you know, customers can participate and uh, all have that equal access to, uh, you know, to save energy and help the environment. Mm, very cool. Karen, sorry, Joan, I'm, I feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation here. But... No, I did want to just add what a what a great, I mean, to come from to come from a place of empathy, I can't think of a more powerful way to impact change. Mm. So thank you so much for sharing that. Definitely. So Karen, you you mentioned something that triggered a question for me, which is it can be uh, overwhelming for utilities to think about where do I begin on this equity journey? Maybe yeah. you could tell us a little bit about how you and Jeff work together on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have I should just say too that I I'm a sociologist by training. And so, you know, one of the I I think core areas of focus within sociology is to understand this question of equity. And um for a long time, you know, utilities in general have, you know, designed their programs to have open access. So all customers can participate, but without necessarily truly bringing attention to a, a deeper understanding and, and a critical look at, you know, who is actually participating, right? And whether or not those those traditional approaches have been successful at reaching all types of customers. And so the work that Jeff and I have been doing together is really um, really focused on bringing attention and intention to this topic of equity, to bring that concerted look at something that you know largely we as an industry have just assumed was happening, and to say um, you know to say who is in actuality participating, and so um, we started really a year and a half ago looking at uh, some of the residential programs that PSO is running to really understand how um, both at the program and portfolio level, uh, different types of customers uh, were participating. And, and when, when I say different types of customers, I mean, you know, customers with different types of socio-demographic characteristics, also customers with uh, different levels of energy burden, um, customers who live in areas maybe with greater, you know, social vulnerability levels, and to really uh, start to identify the different pieces of the puzzle and how those things work together. So we've been we've been um, developing uh, a set of equity metrics uh, for all the residential sector programs in PSO's portfolio, and then recently also started looking at how equity comes into play for the small business program as well. This is what I really appreciate about this approach is that um, it, it's such a broader, equity is such a broader concept in the work that you're doing. Um, it's not It's not just like a low income, right? Like I feel like there is a differentiation between what we would call low income or low income programs and equity. And I feel like 
that's exactly what you were just explaining, um, both of you. But is there any exactly. more that you want to say about that? <laughs> well, sure. I mean, we look at, you know, uh, also race and ethnicity and and a variety of other indicators that can be used to understand how particularly, I think, customers that have um, greater needs and that that could be tied to income. Right. Um, but also energy burden and other me measures of social vulnerability and and you know their ability to uh, maybe uh, you know provide those upfront costs that are necessary to um, buy more efficient equipment, but also just you know the social capital maybe language capabilities, right? If if whether or not cu certain uh, customers are able to even really uh, understand some of the the utility communications about these programs or you know if even in fact they know other customers who might be participating in these programs that they can say hey how did that work out for you um, knowing that you know some communities maybe don't have access to other people who have experienced those programs or or less access so all of those things can make a difference. Yeah, and taking away those barriers, like, you know, like Jeff, like you you noted. I mean, that's exciting <laughs> to think about accomplishing that. And, you know, and I was just going to ask Jeff, maybe you could talk a little bit about, like, what were some of the outcomes? So if, if you, you know, did this benchmarking analysis up front, try to figure out where our customers are and are not participating. Maybe mm -hmm. you can talk to us a little bit about what strategies you put in place to try and get more participation from customers that were not. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of more history here is, uh, you know, we've been, you know, successfully meeting all of our portfolio goals for uh, a number of years, back 2015 or so. Uh, but you know, we recognized that there was outlying areas because. You know, serving in Oklahoma, we serve the Tulsa metropolitan area, and, that, and that's about 65% of our customers. But once you get outside of Tulsa, you know, we've got another 35% that um, that weren't participating as well as we maybe thought they should. So we really worked with our vendors to put in, you know, kind of performance goals to try to uh, to look at that geographic area to try to make sure we're getting service providers, those trade allies, to participate in those outer areas. And as well as, you know, Oklahoma has a significant tribal community. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we're reaching into those different areas of, um, that we could potentially influence efficiency in the way that they're using energy. So we put together, you know, geographic based goals and was, you know, we've done well there. We've, we've done well with our, our limited income programs, but, you know, what next, you know, where are we still potentially missing? And, you know, that's what really the work with Karen has helped us really benchmark where we are in terms of meeting those, you know, uh, maybe a stronger defined uh, equity type goals. Mm. That's very cool. One of the things that I'm picking that I picked up on uh, in an earlier thing you said, Jeff, was you're look you're looking for ways to help customers reduce wasteful use of energy. And that caught my ear uh, because 
at least in my world, uh, I don't typically refer to energy efficiency that way. I've obviously heard it, you know, framed that way. But how do you see language? And I don't just mean, you know, like English versus Spanish versus other language, but how do you see the role of language fitting into equity? And I'm curious both Jeff and Karen, your thoughts about that. Yeah, interesting question, David. Yeah, we started using kind of the, the word waste. Um, well, sometimes back because that really is a word that appears in in the energy efficiency rules in Oklahoma. But it's something that you know people can easily identify with. Is yes, everybody kind of wants to be efficient, but when they put the in context of why well, am I wasting energy by not being efficient? Um, I think it kind of it changes the thought process there. So. Uh, yeah, so that's something we've we've introduced in our language uh, uh, quite a bit, you know, especially in recent years. Mm. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. I think you know from a from a behavioral science perspective, the framing of how we think about our use of energy and our you know efforts to reduce that use matter a lot. So there's a lot in the field of behavioral economics, for example, about, you know, how using a loss aversion type of framing can actually resonate more uh, with people and actually motivate action. So I, I would completely agree that using a, a waste kind of framing um, makes it sound like you're spending money on something that has no useful value, right? In, in um, in the case of overuse, so mm. I would agree. I have, to, I have to change my vernacular there then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this this digging into access. I just think that's um, so interesting. And I'm wondering um, from the both of you, what's kind of what's coming? Because I, I already feel like the work you're doing is a bit on the leading edge. Um, but just wondering is what's beyond that? Maybe Karen, you go first. Yeah, what's coming? Well, I think that, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about utilities of the future and what that means, uh, whether we're talking about efforts to um, decarbonize or to, you know, toward electrification um, or toward flexible load management. And we know that regardless of which of those or potentially others we're talking about, we're moving in a direction where customer engagement is increasingly a critical part of what we might call success, right? And so um, moving toward that industry of the future necessarily means that we need to engage with customers in more, well, first of all, just more, and then secondly, in more effective ways. And thirdly, I would say in more inclusive ways, such that all customers truly are participating um, and, and that we're able to break down those barriers that do exist uh, in association with a lot of the traditional approaches to energy efficiency so that we can achieve those higher levels of engagement for all customers. It makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, I, that's well said, Karen. I, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, think about going back to what I said earlier, kind of doing the right thing for customers, communities, and environment, you know, in a sustainable way. And, and I really think about the advances in technology and information and, you know, the opportunities there with the rapid change in technology. Uh, but then at the same time, there's also those challenges and barriers that not everyone can adopt technology as, as rapidly as it's changing. So making sure we don't leave folks behind and give everybody that opportunity. And from a utility perspective is, you know, we're uniquely positioned as a regulated utility to deliver these kind of um, opportunities to, to make sure that we're looking at at uh, these different barriers uh, to entry and that kind of thing when it comes to equity. Uh, because, you know, as, as regulated, we're cost effective, but then, you know, there's sometimes there's a social aspect, I think, to things. Mm. Gosh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we usually, sorry, David, we usually get a lot of technology responses on that. And I, I just, I admire the fact that you're both kind of looking at a different dimension. Yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble, Jeff, but I am curious, <clears throat> what role, if any, do you see commissions playing in equity you know, from, from a utility lens? Do you think critical to get them on board? Do you think it's helpful to have them on board? Or do you think that we can do what's necessary with or without them being on board? That's definitely a tough question, David. Um, um, I, I think, you know, it's it just deserves the conversation. And I think everything comes back to you know, being open about the opportunities and and then the barriers, because even you know, whether the utility is involved or the commissions are involved, um, you know, I think things can be done with or without, but um, it's, you, you know, you really have to have that dialogue to make sure that that everybody understands the path that we're going to go forward. And I think, you know, when it comes to these programs, um, that's really the, the approach we try to take is make sure that, you know, we say where we're going, then we'll go there and then we'll tell them kind of where we've been um, <laughs> kind of approach. Yep. Cool. Well, are there any other questions uh, amongst each other before we move to our final kind of area of um, the podcast and the big question? <laughs> uh, hey, Joan, am I allowed to ask a question? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyone you can ask. Yeah, I, I would ask Jeff um, what advice you might give to other utilities based on your experience uh, working together on this equity effort uh, with PSO. I think um, it, it goes back to, you know, keeping your eyes open and thinking about the possibilities and really looking at things through a different lens and, and trying to, you know, gauge where do I potentially have barriers and try to measure yourself to at least know where you stand in terms of your portfolio and, you know, are you missing any uh, potential areas? And I think that's kind of where we're at is, is, is really kind of going back and benchmarking ourselves to say, all right, here's maybe where we're at. Is this really where we want to be? Is this where, you know, our stakeholders want us to be, or is there something, something different or something better that we can do to, to allow customers participate and you know keep energy affordable and um, you know in a, in a more sustainable way. 
I love that advice. Mm -hmm. David, did you have any other questions? No, I appreciate you asking, Joan. <laughs> but I don't. Okay. How about you, Jeff? Not that I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, as we wrap up, we always like to ask this one question. So um, maybe we start with, with Jeff and then Karen, you can wrap. Um, but if you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? Oh, that's a big opportunity there, Joan. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was educated in economics, so I, I like to think of things, you know, the ideal economy is, you know, all participants kind of have perfect information. There's no barriers to participate, you know, free entry and exit into the market. Um, so I think, you know, if there was no limits, I'd really kind of challenge <clears throat> the areas around uh, customer choice in terms of uh, participation in programs and uh, the ability to, you know, to purchase products that are most efficient to them and, and is their fuel you know, potentially meets their choice of fuel. Um, so I know there's there's some states that have pointed out that, you know, there's fuel switching rules. And, you know, I think as technology has changed and products has improved, um, some of those things need to be kind of addressed that there's an opportunity for customers to save energy, but, um, you know, they want the utility to walk along beside them. And, and in some instances, there's fuel switching rules that somewhat prohibit that. And I think it's, you know, it's uh, stakeholders that need to be involved and kind of think through is, you know, are all our rules still relevant in those instances? Oh, that's a great, great answer. That is a really amazing question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would have to say, let's see, one thing that I would one thing to change the industry, no limits. I would have to say that we just sort of break out of our old models in general um, of siloing energy efficiency from some of the other things that are going on within the utility industry, like demand response, flexible load management, and now even more so decarbonization and electrification and and make the customer more um, at the center right have a more customer centric model and think about how this larger constellation of offerings that utilities provide what do those look like from the customer's perspective and how could they be better integrated uh, with each other to truly serve the customer with the customer being at the center with the customer being a partner and then of course since i'm a sociologist i'll also say that um you know in order to do that integrating more behavioral science into all the things that utilities do um, and the, the utility industry does so that we um are are not relying on outdated models or mental models and the way that we think about what motivates people to really acknowledge that it's not just about the the dollars and cents but it's also about a lot of other relationships and and larger goals whether it's climate related or otherwise um so as to you know to really see the whole person 
um, when we when we look at customers and to um, to really create programs or a suite of programs that uh, are engaging with customers as partners in the process. Mm, that's deep. <laughs> you asked me pie in the sky, so that's right. <laughs> and we're so thank you both so much for bringing such a heartfelt. Um, perspective and just it's been such a wonderful conversation thank you so much yes definitely thank you both you know um Jenna, i have one more question and i am teasing <laughs> you i'm totally teasing you but uh kind of in wrap up uh, you know one of the things i've learned in talking with our our colleagues in in our workforce innovations and poverty solutions group is to listen to your communities and Karen you had mentioned customer centric and Jeff you had mentioned you know uh, focusing on your customers and and I think that that's key in in solving some of the the equity and inequity challenges that that we see and it's it's been really enjoyable to discuss what you Jeff, for doing with PSO and Karen, I know that you're applying this with other uh, utilities around the country as well, and and just to hear some of the progress that you guys are making. So, really appreciate uh, you're both being on uh, to to share those thoughts and insights. And if you've enjoyed this conversation as much as Joan and I have, we'd appreciate you liking, sharing, and even subscribing to our podcast. And furthermore, we thank you for following along um, these episodes and all of the interesting conversations that we're having. In our next episode, we're moving on to um, discuss the growth of efficiency and controlled environment agriculture. And we'll have guests on Derek Smith, who's the Executive Director of Resource Innovation Institute, and ICS Cody Allen. So till next time, here's to our next Energy in 30.